There's no silver bullet. Yeah. There never has yeah. been. Yeah. So when we look at the device, we want to make sure there's compliance on it. It's managed. You know, we're updating it regularly. You know, it's got endpoint on there. The drive's encrypted. Multi-factor authentication's in play at all times. The New Zealand Tech Podcast. Brought to you by Gorilla Technology. Proactive and strategic IT. Hey folks, greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Good to be back again. Uh, today we have Andrew Fox joining us from Aruba uh, and Mark Duncan from Cyclone Computers. Andrew, good to have you here. Thank thanks you very for, much. Thanks Great for coming to be back. Back, back on again. Uh, it can't have been too painful last time. No, the fact a... that we managed to get you back into the <laughs> studio. Fantastic experience. That no, was good. Maybe you can remind folks where you fit into this big sure, wide world of, sure. of tech here in New Zealand. So I lead uh, the team at Aruba, which is the part of Hewlett Packard enterprise that looks after networks and the edge, the intelligent edge, we call it. Uh, amazing team of people, you know, high growth business, great tech, uh, and network is a fun place to be. So that's where I fit in. Great. Excellent. Mark Duncan, how Hi. about you? Uh, yeah, so I'm one of the services managers for Cyclone Computers. So we're, um, we're a nationwide company doing IT support and integration, etc. And um, yeah, we're excited to be here again, Paul. Yeah, no, great, great to have you both back. Well, let's let's jump straight into it. Um, as always, lots lots to talk about. Um, thank you, of course, to our show partners as well. Two Degrees, Vodafone, Spark, HP, Gorilla Technology, and of course Cyclone and Aruba. Woohoo! Uh, and this week on the local front, I guess probably the yeah, two pretty big stories really. Um, Google. Setting up in New Zealand mm. with a with a cloud region, so I you know I think for 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 many people it was it was quite a surprise when Microsoft announced, hey, we're we're setting up a you know a local region yeah. in in New Zealand. AWS did it, and I think there were there yeah. were some like, oh, okay, it's this yeah, a little country and, like ours, and, yeah. it's like and, a windfall, and now it? it's uh, <laughs> it's Google. So you know it sort of feels a bit like we've hit the trifecta here and. Uh, <laughs> You know, we're we're probably a, a lot luckier than a lot of people thought that New Zealand might be when we started yeah. seeing these, you know, large scale um, or hyperscale as we we hear them called, um, you know, da data centers sort of you know start to appear around the world. I mean, in the early days, it was all just in the US, right? Yeah. And it yeah. was, uh, and then oh, yeah, we're seeing seeing a little bit in Asia and. Europe and, and so on, but Sydney, um, Melbourne, and now you know, here. Considering yeah. what percentage of the world's population we resides are. in New Zealand, True. it's, uh, they must be getting it's really awesome. Now. They must be getting capacity. They've built it up over a number of years, so Microsoft especially must be have a reasonable amount of business in New Zealand. I think it's a it's a beautiful thing from a customer choice perspective. You know, everyone I talk to is involved in some sort of to use the overused word, but digital transformation or something like that. And a lot of that involves um, one of those three. And I think now there's three really good solid options coming. It'll be a bit of time, but three good solid options that Kiwis can use. And I think that's an amazing thing for our market. And yes, I was surprised as well. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, when you when you look back, uh, you know, I remember in the early years of the show, we were, you know, we sort of pondered a little bit around connectivity to New Zealand, mm. even, right? Like, you know, with a lot of a lot of data and services coming from offshore, and then what happens if you know? I don't know. Someone someone's uh, 
you know, deliberately or otherwise, you know, decides to impact our, our you know, our connectivity to the outside world. Um, but boy, that that picture has changed, and now, you know, so much more of what has been offshore will be able to actually, I guess, you know, come sort of come home to New Zealand. Step some of that risk, yeah. Yeah. So this yeah. is this is all really good stuff, and you know, we've heard about it was uh, Raratonga. Yeah, Raratonga got effectively kind of knocked offline for you know weeks at a time with with an issue with with their telecommunications at at, at one point. Where did we have the uh, the volcano oh, last year? Yeah, so, and Tonga had had a really yeah, nasty so, problem after a storm as well. You know, there are all sorts of things that can that can impact, and the more digital that we get as a yeah. as a society, how many um, cables do we have going now? Because they put another one, another one in recently, didn't they? Yeah, so we've most most recently we've had the um, uh, Southern Cross next. Yeah. So we've got the original Southern Cross cable. Uh, you know that was that was starting to get a bit older, but I you know I don't think it had actually you know reached, reached its, its complete yet. you know mm. technical capacity, and so you've got the new uh, and that's a you know it's a redundant one, so you've, it's effectively two, um, and then you've got the Hawaii um, cable, uh, you've got the uh, Tasman Global Access, which links us up with Australia, yep. uh, and then there's talk about links across to uh, to, to South America. Really? Um, so there's there's you know there's all sorts of uh, you know ac- activity going on. Uh, I don't think I've missed any, but I, but I, but I may have done. I mean you know compared to yeah where where we were where with um, one it, wet it, piece of string. You know. Yeah, it's it's yeah. dramatically uh, it's dramatically changed. So well, not, I would really imagine the streaming will be pushing that up more and more. The actual bandwidth required. Well, I think most of this, the like the you know Netflixes of this world have had local infrastructure yeah. on the Caching. on the ground, and you know Google have certainly had um, you know YouTube uh, caching service sort of sitting sitting in with our yeah. uh, internet providers. Mm. So there, there's you know there has been a, a level of of that, and certainly those aren't my areas of expertise, but. Um, you know, I've I've heard enough to uh, believe that yeah, between Netflix and uh, and YouTube, uh, uh, and I mean, you can probably just do a few pings to figure that stuff out to yep. a to a to a degree. Um, but I think a fair bit of that has come locally. But I mean, this this brings so much more home to New Zealand, doesn't it? If we've we've got Google, AWS, and Microsoft able Absolutely. to deliver yep. uh, services and and you know host. You know the, uh, I guess uh, a very high percentage of what we do uh, locally here in New Zealand. I wonder if that right. will drive up more adoption with some of those bigger players who still host that those servers internally, you know, on prem. Will it push that cloud further for them? Well, uh, I guess you know my feeling is with there's you know there for the, certainly the smaller smaller businesses. Uh, yeah, most of them have been on a journey if they haven't got there already Correct. where everything's in the cloud. Yeah. And then then there are different, you know, and sometimes more complex cases, I think, usually for larger organisations around, you know, how, how they do that. And, and there yeah. are some cost challenges with, with certain loads to put them into the cloud, right, where it's not very competitive. Maybe maybe there will be some that were worried about latency and things well, like that. Maybe, yeah. you know, that, that problem's gone away. Um you know, as we see, forgetting the data center for a minute, but as we see, you know, network performance go up and mm. new technologies like Wi-Fi 6 and now Wi-Fi 6E, which has, yep. you know, been 
announced here in the last sort of couple of weeks, um, that means that the client's ability to consume data, it makes it harder for the network and for the provider to then give me as a user a good experience. That that I guess the having these three in country is gonna mean the user experience gets better and that's what everything's ultimately about, right? Mm. So let's face yeah. it, fiber to the door is in New Zealand is great in comparison to the likes of Australia. We're sitting on easy street in terms of that, we're getting good speeds everywhere. Well, mostly everywhere. We are we are in a very good position I feel we are. absolutely in those regards and uh Certainly, um, you know we do we do like to make fun of uh, our our friends across the Tasman, <laughs> and um, you know that's uh, that's that's one of those areas where I I feel we're uh, uh, you know we're at an All Blacks type level. <laughs> Although uh, I should be careful of that <laughs> reference with how how we're going on that front at the moment. To be fair, so, those waters. Uh, <laughs> maybe the, maybe the All Blacks are going to be looking at uh, how how we've gone on the. Uh, on the broadband, broadband front, right. and wishing they could do that well. No, I'll uh, I'll shut up on that. Don't talk about the Any trouble? Invenco has uh, has sold to a US firm. Now, this is uh, one of Sir Peter Mears' mm. uh, firms, and you know, look, we 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 look at the things that he's done uh, over the years, and you know. Navman and you know an, yeah. an incredible story, but um, out of Navman, you know, not only did um, you know did he go on to launch yeah number of other companies, but of course, folks that had that were that were part of Navman have gone on and and and, and, and launched yeah. other things. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I, f- I find this as uh, was an eighty million dollar US uh, sale. Um, which is you know somewhere depending on you know exchange rates hundred and you know twenty plus uh, million you know New Zealand dollars so this is a Fantastic. substantial uh, sale and look I think the the, the technology that they had putting uh, these terminals into um, gas stations in, in the US they did very very well at and they were working in a market that was you know. I mean, just crazy big compared yep. to trying to create something mm. that would focus on on the New Zealand market, and uh, and you know, look, the size of the scale I think is is just an indication of uh, of how good um, you know how good they I mean, were. Good on them, right? Kiwi technology. Um, I, I I'd love to know what impact COVID's had on the use of you know pay at pump. <laughs> I don't know about you, but yeah, if yeah, I can avoid <laughs> if I can avoid talking to a human now and do the whole thing at the pump with a you know with PayWave, that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. So I suspect if, that if you're driving at all, though, so there's probably uh, well, there's probably been some you know some pressures in terms of true. you know true. price of gas and 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 so on. And you know we've certainly heard we've heard um, you know a, a bit about some of you know some of those challenges businesses that have been that's true. Um, have, have been impacted. Right? Americans still get cheap petrol though, don't they? In comparison to like us and other parts of the world. That's true. So, um, but yeah, it seems you know it seems like from um, uh, you know the the bits and pieces of coverage there's been on it that uh, you know worked out as a as a you know as a good outcome for yep. um, for for those involved and uh, you know no no doubt there will you know continue to be Kiwis involved in it. And as for, you say, uh, that will hopefully seed other innovation around you know. It's so good that he's taking it to the world, though, isn't it? And America to win America is a really good. It's a good base. Mm. In fact, it's really, really 
in the top, isn't it? That's that's certainly uh, you know if you can you can win in in that sort of size oh, yeah. market, and often you know in in the past, I guess um, you know particularly before New Zealand had had so much of a focus on tech, uh, you know Australia was kind of the you know often the focus. You know, okay, we've conquered New Zealand. Let's see if we can, how we can go in Australia. But I think that. Uh, that mindset now of maybe looking, you know, looking globally as your market yeah, from yeah, the, yeah. you know, from the very, very beginning, or, or at least looking at, at, at really big markets like the US. Uh, you know, there's there's a, an enormous amount of wisdom in, uh, like, in in taking that approach, isn't there? It's taking a large step, really, isn't it? To sort of make it big. Yeah. Yep. Um, now their CEO John Scott. Um, one of the bits of reading I saw. Um, commentary from him said uh, that the petrol industry effectively stopped overnight there with COVID and in 2020 those lockdowns hit and nothing happened uh, and they had staff voluntarily sacrificing um, their salaries between 20 and 50 percent so they certainly went through uh, you know a fairly tough time there for you know that was sort of six to 12 months and folks were doing that in order to to preserve um, you know, jobs. So, um, you know, Crazy. it's pretty awesome that they've gone through that and now hopefully all those that were Im- involved and in, whether through working for the company or, or shareholders have, uh, you know, come out of it in a, in a pretty good, Much better place. A pretty, yeah. pretty good way. So, uh, yeah, quite, quite likely with some of these sales that we've seen over the last uh, cu- couple of years, there's, there's probably a lot that have been, you know, would have been quite impacted in, in ways of, you know, is not always public, but you've you got to imagine that probably plays into uh, yeah. the the numbers that some of these sales have, have gone for. Still, yeah. I, I think uh, probably Great probably story. ends up being yeah. a, a, a pretty uh, pretty good win. Very so, good win. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So now on to uh, on to other other topics at the. In the, I guess the the consumer world, which is we we all uh, you know we can we can delve into the the business stuff, but ultimately we're all consumers as well. We um, I was I was quite surprised uh, hearing news last week around um, Disney overtaking mm. uh, Netflix wow. when that one that one hit, and it, it just um, I don't know it caught me caught me off guard. I certainly hadn't been hadn't been seeing. Um, seeing any numbers, but they had 221.1 million uh, subscriptions. Now, this is across their three streaming platforms because uh, for for so this is Disney in total and not right. just Disney Plus. So, as far as I'm aware, it incorporates Disney Plus, Hulu, mm. or Hulu mm. Plus as it, as it's I think it's normally been known. Or for the paid offering um, and ESPN Plus, right. so they've kind of you know they've got this combination of uh, of ser- services, and I think yeah, some maybe in some of the coverage, it's been it's sort of suggested that it's it's just the Disney Plus product, but it's it's actually the actually the combination the, the, yeah. the, the, the combination how, how of services. How long have they been going? How long is this? A year and a half? Two years? It's a, it's a good question. Hulu when Plus did, has been did, going for longer than that. Yeah, Hulu it? Hulu's been so, around for you know Disney for a long Plus, time, or one yeah. of the um, you know one of the one of the earliest. Um, I mean, you know, players. As far as streaming streaming 
platform companies out there, who else could beat Netflix? Disney, really. Well, Netflix has been the golden child for yeah. years, you know, the killer of Blockbuster and many an NBA oh, yeah. written, mm. you know, <laughs> <laughs> about it. I, I think it's kind of fascinating the, the you know, Disney bring a whole new level. You know, this is a, a mega company yeah. with, with yeah. capabilities far beyond any normal <laughs> company. You know, even just the amount of content that they own, you know, um, the Star Wars franchise, all the stuff that they kind of bring pre and they've paid, paid millions in for demand. All that. Yeah, correct, but but it's in demand, and 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 they also tend to play better to a younger audience. You know, the it's yes. the, the Disney princess. You know, mm, suddenly mm. you've got a bunch of new markets and, and new demographics that float to your platform. I think it's really really clever. I, I do wonder they're a little bit cheaper at the moment, but but no promise that they're going to stay that way. In well, fact, they've actually announced that they're putting putting right. their, they're putting prices up on yep. uh, on on Disney Plus. What's it cost at, at the at, moment? It's about at least thirteen dollars New Zealand. Thirteen New Zealand dollars, yeah. uh, I believe. Yeah, twelve Netflix twelve twelve ninety nine. So yeah, Netflix is about twenty nine. Well, they've got a range of plans. So yeah. they go from that. I think that's about the same price point. Thirteen dollars is yep. their base plan, up to maybe it's multi twenty twenty five four K and. Um, but yeah. I re- I realised because. Been, been on Netflix for a fair time, sort of, you know, pre-launching in New Zealand. We'll just oh, leave yeah, it at yeah, that. Yeah, I know how that works. Uh, and I was looking the other day and thinking, boy, this Netflix is expensive and I must still be on whatever I signed up with in US dollars. And they've gone past twenty US dollars, so I'm oh. paying north of north of thirty bucks now. Oh. So, uh, so I need to I need to get in and sort that out. I'm paying quite a premium, and and you know, um, I've, yeah. Probably a lot of the time, just looking at the New Zealand New Zealand catalogue. Although yes, there which, are still which is some, some mechanisms. Still. And, yes. I'm interested in that yeah. expensive in America because America normally is very competitive with the other streaming platforms. So I'm surprised it's more. Well, when you're when you're that big and that dominant, I guess there's there's charge a bit more. Uh, maybe. Uh, yeah. I mean, the idea of sort of turning these different different knobs, and you you know you're looking to make a profit, yeah. so you yeah. want to turn the price up. Probably you know, a couple of perspectives. One, they do want to be profitable at some point, right? You've got shareholders that are, you know, pushing for that. Um, but also, if you're not bringing in enough from your subscriptions, how do you get the content that keeps you at the front? Yeah, and, and clearly, um, you know, Disney are a strong competitor on the content front, and you know, we've got Apple, uh, you know, and and then you know, local. Uh, yeah, free-to-air type options as, as well as mm. uh, Sky and the, the things that they're, they're streaming. So, you know, we're, we're getting into quite a crowded market, aren't it we? Is. I dare say at some point in time there'll be a bit of a culling go on, like all things. Or you know, you get all these different spree or startups a, yeah. and stuff, and then at some point they, they meet some sort of mass market and then they start getting either falling off or being bought being up. Bought up for someone. Um, yeah, well, I mean, part of the question is, I think, is does it all go, does it just naturally all go to global players or will we be able to keep our local players in the mm. market? Now, well, at the moment, because of the role that free-to-air TV yep. uh, plays and the fact that, you know, some of, some of that is, you know, a government uh, entity, then you can imagine there's some longevity. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we, we look at uh, TV3... And how many kind of iterations and shareholding changes and varying other uh, you know financial challenges that yes. uh, 
that they've had. You know, Sky have certainly had their problems. I mean, Absolutely. this is not a it's it's not an easy market to operate in. Um, you know, due to As a local size player. and scale Absolutely. and yeah. and so on. There'll be other markets like that. Australia seems to have uh, you know a, a, probably a broader mix of local players in in the market. But you know, who knows how that yeah. will how that will play out. And then, you know, in Asia, we've got some of these players that are, you know, right across a whole bunch of countries. And it seems like there's there's some there's some benefits there from a from a scale perspective to I, to that. I can well imagine the big boys will start buying up bits and pieces, but it'll be up to governments in various countries to actually protect their own local interests. Uh, I can see the EU doing that. I think there already, already is some sort of, you know, guidelines around filming and producing stuff in their country. So I can only see that over time, and I'm sure we'll do it with, with TVNZ, uh, to protect our local interests or national interests. And New yeah. Zealand on there has done a pretty good job in the past of funding local productions. Yeah, I mean, there's there's certainly been a, a lot of a lot of funds that have uh, that have gone uh, gone into local. So yeah, uh, you know, I would certainly yeah hope that we uh, we have a, a good um, offering. Now, just going back a little bit, a little bit of history, I just found quite curious. So it was uh, January two thousand and seven that uh, Netflix allow- announced that they were going to launch uh, streaming uh, streaming video. Okay. So going back quite a way, um, Hulu launched in March two thousand and eight. Okay. Not not seeing here when Netflix actually actually launched. Maybe they announced and launched pretty much you know straight, straight away. So Hulu that was a streaming straight channel? away. So Hulu uh, was, as I uh, recall it anyway, was. Um, Mix of broadcast type content. Yeah, maybe it was under NBC. I'm not quite sure. It's, what does it say now? So the current ownership, actually 67 percent owned by by Disney, which I don't think don't think it was back in those days. Yeah, but it was probably similar to what we get with the streaming from TVNZ today, and that sort of broadcast content yep. that you could watch in a streaming format for free, ad supported. Mm. And then there was the, yeah, the, the Hulu Plus name, which maybe that's actually disappeared. I'm not seeing it mentioned too much as I look around online now, as the yeah more expensive option where you could you know no ads. get rid of ads or right. see see more content. There was sort of a, a little bit of a um, a mix of of plans, and we're sort of starting to see that come back. We're starting to see yeah. probably TVNZ at some point offer a you know quite possibly an ad free offering. And Netflix offering a, a lower offering. cost option exactly. with with the advertising yeah. built in. Right? I don't think it's over yet. I think, you know, Netflix have had a hard time. They've taken all the heat about you know the actions they're taking to stop you sharing your account and yeah. and <laughs> you know there's been some bad press and they've they've you know had some fake subscriber numbers or dodgy things like that. I, I think, um, you know, as Disney and the rest of them start raising their prices and stuff, mm. I think. We're just going to continuously see this. I don't think it's over yet. I, would, mm. I wouldn't. Uh, it's competition. I wouldn't write Netflix off yet. But yeah. yeah, some of the content they're creating is is you know amazing. Then again, so is Apple TV. You know, winning an Oscar and <laughs> you know for a lot their of content, their content so. is years in the pipeline as well. So it's not like it's going to stop overnight. It takes a lot of time to get. Just makes it harder for a consumer, isn't it? You don't want to be subscribing to five services. No, um, no. But it's, certainly it's we're sport for choice. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we are now. 
Uh, yeah, it was uh, about two and a half years ago that uh, that we saw uh, Disney Plus land in the US, yep. and then sort of shortly thereafter, a few into, months later, into, wasn't it? Into New Zealand. Uh, mm. Now, Roomba, uh, which Eight. is a, a product from uh, iRobot, uh, Roomba and uh, the iRobot uh, products, uh, which which I guess share their name with a with a rather sort of dystopian. Uh, uh, movie as yes, well. Yes. Uh, was that a Will uh, Smith a comma, movie? That's that's a Will comma Smith robot movie. or whatever. Yes. It was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Has almost three uh, laws. So, uh, but yeah, here we are today, and um, and uh, iRobot and the the Roomba uh, vacuum uh, robotic vacuum cleaners have been uh, sold for one point seven billion dollars to uh, to Amazon. This one I've found quite fascinating with the the different sort of media coverage, and it's it's kind of moved around uh, a little bit. But there's there's certainly been a fair bit of hey, this is so uh, Amazon can see inside your home and take footage <laughs> of your home and map out your home and and so on, and making it sound very very scary. Yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, I would think if if that was the way that Amazon was inclined, there are certainly other ways of sort of getting data. They already own my about door. Already own homes. my doorbell, and yeah, they've got. You know, they see everyone got, that comes to my house. Know, yeah, it's right. What's the they've point? got you know, and in a lot of homes, they'll have microphones or microphones and 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 cameras already. Yeah. Look, you know, if these sort of companies start doing more and more untoward stuff, then they're not going to have a place in our homes. I'd prefer to think. All right, I so. prefer to think the best in this case. Like there are potentially, you know, IoT obviously big interest of mine. But the more you know, you know about spatial layout of a house, and you know potentially there's some other um, knock-on benefits that I might be able to get out of that. So, hmm. yeah, I, I I don't think um, Amazon knowing that you know I've got a dog lying in the middle of the floor that won't move for the vacuum cleaner, and that does happen at my house, but. <laughs> I don't think that's, you know, that's not proprietary information. They're welcome um, to that. Uh, I would be stuck without the vacuum, though, because my dog is hairy and I have a white floor. So, you know. Um, <laughs> is it good, good? You find it's good kit? The, it's, the good for a, it's good for a, it's never going to be as good as, as a, you know, elbow grease. But in terms of a quick sweep while you're out of the house, yeah, um, yeah. beautiful thing. Does the dog yeah. bark at it? Doesn't really care. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It gets out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I see uh, some of the, some of the other robot vacuums that have had been getting a bit of attention, you know, recently. Uh, and I'm trying to remember the exact uh, product name. Somebody will probably send me a tweet or a, or a, or a message later to uh, to remind me. But there, there's some actually some competing products that are considered by many to be a you know a whole lot better. I think coming out of China. Um, and so, you know, I guess, yeah, if you're going with any of this sort of stuff, look, there there are risks in terms of, uh, you know, what can happen with your data. Um, but you you know, you've got to you've got to make those calls if you've got microphones and things like that around the place. Which, you know, got to, you know, if we're we're straight up. We accept actually most of us are carrying, you know, a smartphone uh, or more in terms of devices that are that are that, are that are around our that are around our homes. So. You know, it is a big and a, and a complex, um, you know, uh, situation that we have in terms of the, the devices and software and so on. Um, and, 
yeah, there 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 are some risks, yep. and we'll delve in a bit to sort of cyber security as we yeah. in, a, in a few minutes. But um, you know, I think we we also have to have some wisdom, and you have to kind of weigh up the, yeah. you know, what what are the benefits you get out of this, and and yeah, who do you trust? And look, I I get it. You know, there 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 will be some that never want to put their trust in a in a big American, uh, you know. Corporation yep. and uh, and and sure, so you know we can make our own choices. On, I, I, I am on kind things. of excited to see what else comes out yeah. into the Amazon smart yeah. home stable. Yeah. I think you know they, they potentially for someone that has an interest in that, it's 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 kind of cool. So I wonder where they'll take yeah. it. Well, that's just it. Where will they go next? They've got yeah yeah. Well, there, I think there's there can be a positive aspect here, and um, you know, rings an example. Mm. They, oh, yeah. that actually, yep. I was scheduled to um, to meet with and do an interview with with um, uh, Ring's founder and, and CEO uh, Jamie. Is it? I can't remember his surname exactly. Something like Simonov or along those lines. I've probably completely butchered that. <laughs> Sorry, Jamie. Um, <laughs> at, at CES a, a few years ago, but there was I think there was a little bit of a, a hoo ha going on around some security issues that Ring had at the time. Now, because Ring are part of Amazon, then Amazon's reputation, you know, became at stake because of that. Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, what we saw was they, you know, they 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 made sure, uh, I imagine, at the at the top level, <laughs> that there were uh, resources that went in to uh, to address some of those uh, some of those challenges. And so, you know, if um, if iRobot or if Ring or another company that Amazon has acquired, um, you know, make a mess of stuff, then yeah. uh, you know, actually it, it messes things up for, uh, for for Amazon and for for you know AWS. So there there is that aspect to, well, you know, in in some ways it could uh, you know could lead to good things maybe on that sort of security and data mm-hmm. data privacy front. And I also imagine then suddenly they've got access to this much bigger uh, team within, you know, mm. AWS yeah, um, that that could potentially, um, you know, help them accelerate maybe faster than, than some of the other yeah. players in the I, market. I, I do think it will help, you know, if you look at the way inside an enterprise, you know, a, ca- a security camera, the way you might secure yeah. that and the way you might keep yourself safe because, you know, something can always happen to that device. Um, you know, today if you're building an enterprise network, having it set up in such a way that this camera can just talk to the server it's supposed to talk to, nothing else, or can mm. talk to the cloud service it's supposed to talk to, nothing else. Mm. Um, you know, that's kind of par for the course now, that, and it's yeah. easily done. But you're sticking a ring camera or a vacuum cleaner or whatever it is in the middle of your house, you're less likely to have that sort of protection and security. So, you know, maybe it will help drive some of those technologies, and it mm. is possible, mm. just mm. not common, to drive those technologies, you know, into the house. Um, yeah, you know, maybe that's a good thing. It's very easy to go buy some of these cloud-integrated products. I mean, I bought a security camera from Kmart, of all places. Just had me standing in the line, and my wife wants to be able to look at the dog, you yeah. know, yeah. during the daytime, you you know, as, as they do. Um, so I bought the $75 camera. It literally took me a minute to set up. It was so easy. But I don't know. It just goes up to the cloud. And <laughs> I, the cloud. I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, mm, the cloud. Uh, yeah. right. Okay. And, and wherever magic. else uh, it should choose to go in your house. Yeah. That's how I think the trick. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're welcome yeah, yeah. to look at the yeah. garage, but um, yeah, not that yeah, exciting. it's just yeah. so simple. I just think people go for the ease and convenience. Oh, yeah, it's great. But where's it going? Mm. It 
it's uh, a bit scary. We, yeah. we certainly are progressing down the ease and convenience track oh, more with absolutely. some of these things. I think, you know, I remember the, the first sort of ring device in terms of setup and, and so on. You know, that stuff's got easier because, yep. you know, you, I don't know, they've added whatever they've added in to the process, but, you know, um, and, and certainly not just their product, you know, a whole, a whole range of these products that were like, you know, quite clumsy and difficult to set up. And they've just got you know, a whole lot easier over the mm. over the past few yeah, years. Well, you just you scan your QR code and hey, it's done. Oh, yeah, that's right. Why, why You're you laughing? One yeah. one aspect I'm curious about is that iRobot have yeah been focused as as most of these sort of robotic vacuum cleaners and uh, security type uh, you know surveillance type products like the ring doorbells and so on have been very much consumer-focused, mm. right? Yep. It's a big market, totally makes sense. But if you think about how many offices that there yeah. are, in, yep. and let's just pick North America, let alone anywhere else in yep. the world, there's a lot of office space. And if you kind of, you know, you think about a lot of these places, big flat floors, um, you know, you go into homes and you've got stairs and all these other things, and it's like... Oh, robots not much good at you know dealing dealing with those sorts of things just yet. I wonder whether this would change with this acquisition because from Amazon's perspective, they must have many millions of of square meters That's of true. floor space in so they could I mean, have an factories army. <laughs> and offices, you know, et cetera, et cetera. A robot army. Now it does sound, now it does sound like a movie. (laughs) But don't you get those big industrial ones where they can, I mean, you can get lawnmowers now, which can be, I think they can be automated. And and I'm pretty sure they've got those industrial cleaners that go around factories and clean stuff up. I mean, why not? Yeah. So, you know. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how, see how that evolves. But, you know. There'd be a lot of cleaners out of work, though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But, I mean, I think, yeah, I remember in our previous premises, we, we, we got one and, and tried it out and it was kind of like, okay, this technology needs to develop a little bit further. But, you know, it's interesting to, you know, to test the technology. True. And uh, I, I imagine it will, it will play quite a yeah. big role in that sort of, you know, corporate cleaning uh, in the future. It's, good point. it's not going to make the, the, the roles disappear. No. But I'm sure that they're probably having the same sort of issues in terms of resourcing as... As you know, and lots yeah. lots of other fields. So if you can add a robot in that does a, a percentage of the job, then uh, yeah, probably probably Bring quite helpful. Um, right. What else? What else did we want to uh, we want to delve into? Um, couple of couple of other things before we talk about some some pretty big cybersecurity uh, scenarios. Oh, right. uh, actually, this one I, I does fall into cybersecurity as well. Was um, and I picked this one up on on the Register uh, UK site, which covers some quite fascinating stories. Um, and their headline read: "Bloke robbed of eight hundred thousand dollars in cryptocurrency by fake wallet app wants oh. payback from Google." And look, I was thinking about this. We as consumers, or whether you look at it from a software developer perspective or a consumer perspective, you know, um, Google. And Apple take yep. a big, you know, a big slice, yep. right? Yep. Was it usually around thirty percent, um, you know, of any app that you're paying through, through, uh, through whether it's the Play Store or, or the App Store? Yep. And so I don't know. I kind of, I kind of feel like, you know, hold on. What do you this, get for that thirty percent? Yeah, this, this person's lost uh, eight hundred thousand dollars worth of uh, worth of cryptocurrencies. 
um, yeah, it's fair enough to have a bit of a go at Google for for launching this app. And and what he downloaded was a fake. It was called Phantom Wallet, and so he was using Phantom technology, probably a, you know an online wallet or something. Yeah. Uh, was using using their service, and he was looking to see if they had a, an Android app, <laughs> you know, through through the Play Store, and he down and he downloaded it. And put his lost, credentials lost, in, and away it went. Yep. You know, yeah. that's a pretty large chunk of money. So um, I'm sure Google has some T's and C's. It says something along along the lines of all care and no responsibility. I'm sure that's something somewhere in there. It's funny, isn't it? Because Apple get a lot of stones thrown at them about how hard they make it, you mm. know, and the hurdles yes. to get yeah, an app into the App Store, yeah. which yeah. I'm sure if I was an app developer, I'd probably agree with it. You do tend to hear, and I'm sure the answer is not zero, but you do, do tend to hear less stories about this kind of thing happening in the App Store. Is it because of those hurdles maybe... You know, easier to get an app into the Play Store. Mm. You don't have to be in there for long if you're stealing 800 grand a time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, That's you're good, only going to be good up for a short on, time. Your, on your mm, development, yeah. isn't it? Mm, mm. I do and remember reading the article. Actually, one of the funny things I did think was um, was the relative value of his portfolio in the intervening few weeks or whenever it right, was. Right, right. You know, the portfolio is tanked, so he's yeah, not yeah, quite yeah. as well off as he would have been anyway. Yeah, yeah, so it depends what they pay you back in, right? Correct. Um, so. Yeah, we've seen some of those stories where things have gone up or, or, or down um, in crypto in intervening times when, when funds yeah. have been returned. Or, if they were to give him the same currencies, he would be significantly yeah. worse off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but yeah. then he could argue, well, I would have sold that in the True. interim, etc. So who knows? I, actually, um, I agree with you. I think yeah. They, yeah. they do owe us a duty of care. That it's a lot of money to rely on a, I don't know how much the app, the app was, but maybe $10 app. It's a lot of... Uh, well, it was, prob- it was probably that. it was probably a free app because there was there wasn't actually an app available an official app available um, from Phantom. In fact, they they uh, they had they tweeted out at some stage Phantom yep. is not available on iOS and or Android. Uh, they tweeted and they said using a fake Phantom mobile app will result in your funds being stolen. Oh, Please help us by Very reporting nice. these apps when you see them in. Uh, in app stores, and so this company has been having to go back to Google and you know constantly report so these, app, app these, these dodgy apps. So look, I'm not sure what would be an appropriate payout. Whether you pay a tenth of it, a hundred percent, two hundred percent. I mean, who knows? But I, you know, you do feel as though there's maybe a little bit of culpability I'd there on, uh, on Google yeah. to uh, to to do to do a better job. Anyway. That's that's enough said on uh, on that one. Um, <laughs> and the uh, the the other one that the reg- the register had some uh, some coverage was, um, and this was this was picked up off. Uh, I think something was on on Reddit, and uh, it was these autonomous cars that have been doing the rounds in San Francisco from Cruise, and someone had put a photo uh, online of a whole lot of these driverless uh, Cruise vehicles. They're basically stuck blocking an intersection, uh, and and the the commentary on Twitter was that it was for or that was on the um, on the post on Reddit um, that then reappeared on Twitter was you know, a couple of hours of these things kind of just stuck in a in a in a in a, in a sort of frozen sounds like Auckland frozen <laughs> frozen state um, in the middle of the night by the sounds of it. So probably in terms of the, you know the actual Impact. disruption, yeah, it, right. it, it you know might have been quite uh, quite low. But these are, you know, probably things we, you know, we hear about the positives of where the technology is, yeah. you know, going and taking us and so on. But I think it, it's also 
you know, worth being aware. It's a bit of a journey to get there, yep. and, and there might be a few stops and stuff. Along the way. But any, any technology, there's always a few hurdles to get over, isn't there? I don't have a self-driving car, but if I did, I, I'd, I'd probably be happy with the, the you know, the fail open. I, if you're not sure what you're doing or what's going on, please stop. I think that's, <laughs> that's and maybe that's what happened in this case. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, I wanted to, obviously, having, having both of you here, and, you know, we've been talking about, uh, when we spoke last time a lot about sort of cybersecurity, the role of, you know, the role of the network. Um, there have been a couple of, um, of big uh, stories uh, that have, have been um, in the media and, um, you know, probably the, the, particularly around cybersecurity that I think, um, you know, for me sort of, you know, trigger some thinking and a need for some discussion. Um, first was uh, was Cisco confirming they had a, mm-hmm. uh, a network breach recently after um, one of one of their employees had a, uh, a, I believe it to be a personal Google account on a device that then um, that had passwords saved in it and when that account was compromised, you know, basically opened up opened up access to yeah. um, uh, to Cisco's network. Uh, and then we had uh, Twilio, who were, um, um, they were also hit. So, you know, we, we're seeing these firms that, you know, these are, these are these big are names big firms, globally yeah. and, yep. and, and in Silicon Valley um, where, where, they're, where they're based, who, you know, if you're thinking, you know, well, who is it that might be, might be you know, hack-proof, yeah, you look. You look at you. You might look at the big companies, but of course, nobody the reality is, yeah, is nobody is there, there isn't yeah. such a thing, is no, there? And this is no. just a reminder to us that uh, we have to keep working on stepping up our, our cyber security. It could have been almost. I any feel sorry company. for them, I yeah, feel sorry for Cisco. I mean, but the what the amount of damage that was done was minimal and well controlled, though, wasn't it? Um, I mean, it, yeah, it, depend, it depends. How how you look at it? Somebody got in and and um, you know hackers were able to uh, you know extract a a chunk of data yeah. that uh, you know yep. that, that they shouldn't have been you know able to. Um, now I think what what I mean initially when I saw this, people were saying, "Oh, good on Cisco for you know being open and and honest about it." Look, I think generally nobody wants to talk about this, this stuff, right? Because there's embarrassment, there's shame, there's a Absolutely. financial impact yep. to your business of, you know, can we trust this firm and so on. All of these things that that, that can uh, that can happen. But as you say, Andrew, like you know, this could have this could have happened to yeah. to, to to any of us. Um, but I think it, you know the information you know actually uh, came out, took place in in May. Um, the information was made public, and, and it seems as though, you know, following that, then yeah. Cisco have sort of come out and, and shared a little bit more uh, detail of how this access to their VPN, uh, you know, took place. So in and America, are they required to reveal when they've had yes. a breach? I think they are, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Yeah, Most countries now, yeah. Western countries are. I think it's, it, it, as you say, there is a stigma to it, and I think that drives behaviours, it means people don't want mm. to talk about it. Whereas mm. in reality, I, if, if one of my vendors that I use in my mm. life got hacked, if, if they'd, you know, cybersecurity is a really complicated thing. There's a mm. lot of moving parts mm. and the bad guys are adapting and changing all the time. Yeah. If this company had done nothing at all to protect itself and my mm. data, mm. Um, you know, nothing at all, then actually, yep, I'm going to have an absolute crack. But 
Yeah. You know, many of the customers I talk to, you know, they've got multiple levels of protection and uh, and it ends up being a human that clicks, you know, on something yeah. silly that ends up tipping over the whole thing. But, um, you know, it's there's a lot of cracks and a lot of moving parts. And I think uh, we need to change. A, we need to talk about it some more and, and be more open about how yeah. difficult this is. And B, you know, if, if companies are making an honest effort to, to, to protect me and my data, out. then, mm. yeah. well, you know, I, 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 I go head to head with Cisco all day. But in this case, I actually think, you know, they're a little bit hard done by. I, I can see how you can't watch all those. And we, you know. we all know that 90% of most cyber attacks happen from user error, as you yep. call it. Um, that's just the life we live in right now. Will it get better or worse? Who knows? But as you said before, it's all about attackers just want to get in. And so they'll keep adapting and trying but, to get around what's there. Yeah, but we do need to keep, you know, we do need to keep stepping up. Oh, yeah. I, yes. I, I would, had it really, will never stop. Yeah, I was at an event last week. I was, uh, you know, speaking at from a, a cybersecurity uh, perspective in terms of, you know, how to minimise mm. and, and address risks and, uh, you know, the value of, you know, getting in and auditing these things and finding out actually where you're at on, you know, yeah. a, a mm-hmm. bunch of well, metrics and, yeah. and so on because, that stuff, that stuff's really important. But I was in this really unique position, and I guess because it was a, a small event with a group of leaders and organisations that I think probably knew each other reasonably well, and one of them got up and shared the first-hand experience of their organisation having been, yep. you know, hit with ransomware, and um, it was really, really good to actually have that real-world yeah. first-hand experience, the pressure, the stress that it created uh, for their people to address it, how it you know, completely took their focus you know, off away from the, whatever, the, the what, whatever they were supposed was. to yep. be doing yep. um, and onto this and that it took, you know, took an extended period to, uh, to address it and... Um, yeah, I mean, it was it was really really horrible. But what was awesome was he got somebody actually giving you that uh, you know that that firsthand uh, story. And the reality is, is most people don't want to talk about this, and so we don't have that many stories. You know, when I look mm-hmm. back, sort of, I don't know when 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 we were all learning that data should be backed up, and not only backed up that you actually needed to, you know do disaster recovery tests and, you know, check your logs and yep. make sure your, your data could actually be recovered, all those sorts of things. But the reason that everybody put good systems in place was because either, either you know, the organisation or individuals involved had lost some data yep. themselves or they'd heard a story very close to home of somebody else that had, yep. and so they and put they systems in place, yep. right? But with, with the cyber incidents, we actually don't, we don't hear a huge amount of what happens, and it's massively underreported from, you know, all the I, things I, I can see. I think, and I think it's a shame. There's 50 mm. things, you know, 50 things you can do to protect yourself. Um, we need to be talking more about those 50 things. Yeah. And so yeah. encouraging companies to, you know, I have these conversations all day because the network, it doesn't all start and stop with the network, but it's a great place to start. It's the first line of defence for this sort of thing. And, oh, it, you know, a lot of people saying, how can... You know, yes, we're doing this, we're doing this, we put Zscaler in and we're doing or Netscope or whatever it is and we've got firewalls and we've got this and we've got 
you know, our fishing tests and we've got all these things, yep. you know, what else can we be doing? And that's the right question to be asked, asking, what, you know. The thing that you mentioned, the one thing with the whole cybersecurity thing that not so much security, it's more about recovery, it's backups. If you've got backups, it's very hard to protect yourself from everything. You know, you can do your multi-layer protection network, et cetera, to try and reduce your landscape of attack. But if you do get attacked, what's the one thing that will solve that will get you back up running? Is that backups? And, yeah, you, know, you know, some companies have taken that on more and more, and there's more solutions. Although that's a little weapons grade. You know, we customers I've talked to now, given COVID and the fact all of our people are in different places than they oh, were a couple of years yeah, ago, yeah, yeah. you know, every night they head home and sit in the same network as teenage kids and stuff like that, you know. Um, maybe the next day they're going to come back in with something that they didn't go home with the night before and they sit down in the office and connect and, and that process sort of starts. Even if, you know, even if, I mean, in the ideal world, we're going to contain, you know, contain the blast radius and take that device automatically off the network yeah. um, before it can do too much damage, right? Um, but if the fix is take the business down and restore, you know, the, the cost of being off the air is still... Absolutely yeah. significant. But certainly in, the, in that um, case, you want to have those immutable backups, right? Yes, that, yep. that absolutely. That should be plan D, though, should you do, yeah. So that needs, to be, that needs to be part of the mix, doesn't it? And, yep. and I guess what we hear with some of these uh, ransomware scenarios is people are paying out the ransom and it's because those backups that yeah. we've heard about for, you know, <laughs> for decades need to be solid, robust, <laughs> etc. Yeah. And look, it is more complicated now because when the ransomware gets into your network, it's actually doing everything it can to mess with your backups. Yep. Yep. So you know, it's well, not just a oh yeah, tick a box. We you know we've got backups in place. It's no. uh, you know certainly certainly more so, more complex than that, isn't it? So I, I have been involved with a cyber attack for a small company. It was about mm. thirty odd staff. Um, got a call about sort of eleven o'clock saying, oh, I've got a a weird message on the screen asking me to pay something. And first response, shut everything down. Um, and so we went in there and we, we finally discovered that a staff member had been sent a CV, a PDF, which wasn't a PDF. And he clicked on it and nothing happened. And he kind of just went off with his business and then noticed things were going strange. And, and the long and short of it is, is that his machine encrypted around about a third of their data on the server, as well as problems with his machine. Um, we got them up and running by about one o'clock the next day, fully restored. Nice. Um, and the one thing that was the problem was the fact that they had administrator rights to their machines that we that they had specifically requested mm. ordained mm. they wanted administrator rights to their machines so they could install things several months before that we had said no, we don't think that's very good. But they said no, we want it. We want to be able to install you know applications mm. whenever we want, and we were like. No, no, but they, it's their machines. Yep. So we did it, and what happened? Was it someone clicked on something, started the, started the malware, and off it went. Um, so their impact was quite small. And we, and we as a night, they got audited because they did some work for a bank. Mm -hmm. So the company I work for them, we, we, the, we got audited with what we did as well as the yep. company. Yep. So in actual fact, everything we had done was correct apart from this administrator login. You know, we had endpoint protection in place. We had backups on-site, off-site. We had everything in place. Um, and it just turned out there was this one user clicked on something and off it went. Now, how that would work nowadays 
you know, if, if Paul comes into the office and he's got his infected machine, he shouldn't have been browsing that stuff last night. That was, that was <laughs> a poor choice. Here anyway, we go. Yeah, no, no. So, you know, typically in a lot of these situations, it would perhaps be the firewall or something that would, <laughs> the first thing to be aware of some sort of, you know, attempt to connect with an external party, some command and control server or something like that. Um, you know, nowadays the network can cope with that. You know, Paul normally is he's a you know, his role as employee has access to these ten things in the organization and, you know, has an experience that looks you know, or feels like that. Yeah. Um as soon as Paul tries to do something dodgy or something that is out of the ordinary, you know, we have the ability now to change that role. So suddenly Paul's device goes from being, you know, employee to being quarantined and it stops working for you, you know, and then you ring the help desk and say, guys, hey, my device won't We've work. come a long way. Yeah, I mean, I, if I go back, this yeah. is almost eight years ago. Mm. Um, it was a good learning experience. It was yep. like, and we were pretty fast off the ball with it. Um, and, you know, we got them back going the next day. But things have come a long way since back then. I mean, there's a lot more proactive products out there doing stuff with networks and everything else. But your there's basic network now... And I guess if there's any frustration that I take to work every day, it's the fact <laughs> we can do this kind of stuff today with a network. And especially once you start laying on top AI and things like that, that Analysis. can really help to look for, you know, dodgy out of the ordinary behavior and take some action. I think we've got to get better at those kinds of things. Um, you know, and so when Paul calls the help desk and says, my machine won't work, they go, we know. It's reported itself as quarantined and taken itself off the network. You, you know, the, yes, you've still got some work to do on Paul's machine and maybe a little bit more, but the blast radius is vastly reduced. Um, now, that doesn't solve the problem, <laughs> but if maybe these other five things that you're doing around cybersecurity, you know, maybe the combination of all five. And that's why it's so know, important to have the layers, correct. isn't it? Is oh, to have that, yeah, that yeah, user yeah. education piece, yep. to have, you know, not have the admin uh, privileges, to be following, yep. you know, guidance across a yep. whole lot of areas, but the network piece is important. Now, thinking of, of network, we've got a, a world that really has changed from where we were before COVID in terms of how much work is being done from remote locations and 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 home. How does that, you know, how does that change change things and how is the, you know, the technology options in terms of, you know, tying the network mm. together? Because you know, there have been new options. Absolutely. Um, you know, over over recent years in that regard, I guess it's probably very, it's you know, really variable in terms of <laughs> you know how these things are set up. And I and I guess um, you know there is that expectation these days. Yeah, I could take my device wherever and work from wherever. Yep. yep. And and however, um, but if your your primary place of working actually for a lot of people now, is your home. And there's a few more options if that's the yeah. case now. You know, yeah. short of a VPN client on your device, which tunnels back to the organisation, a lot of people, in fact, most people do something similar now. Um, but ultimately, you're still sitting on your home network, in my case, with, you know, teenagers. Maybe not such a hot idea. Um, but what we found during COVID is some of the basic enterprise security things that we can do on the enterprise network, like I was just talking about with, you know, automatically changing roles and taking, you know, responding to threats and things like that, or or most excitingly, you know, providing sort of dynamic policy, you know. Mm. You're connecting a camera, it can only see the camera server. You're connecting a phone, it can only see the phone server. It's got no business seeing the point of sale, you know, which stops a lot of the opportunity for 
for, for, for nasty events to happen. But we found that, um, you know, taking that technology back into the home office. So, you know, in my case, I take my Aruba access point home and I plug it into the back of my broadband modem um, and it will tunnel back to my organisation and then present the corporate SSIDs in the middle of my lounge room with all the security and policy and protection that the enterprise requires. So now, actually, I don't care what my kid. I do care what my kids get up to. But I, in this context, you know what I mean. Oh, my machine is on a different network to them. It, my machine yeah. is on the HPE corporate network. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's not on my home network. I mean, it yeah. physically is, I guess. Yeah. But, yeah. but you know, it goes through it, but it tunnels through it, so it's secure. So that, right? that, that's so, that's another layer, isn't it? Yeah, that becomes, yeah absolutely. Layer. Yeah, important yeah. piece yeah. of the puzzle. So, how, I mean, how do you deal with these sorts of things at Cyclone with your your client base? Because you must have. Yeah, you've got quite a broad, oh, yeah. you know, yeah, broad quite. mix, right? We've yep. talked about you know big educational institutions. You know, you, yep. I mean, you've got uh, you've got all yeah. sorts. A lot of the school stuff is is is, is pushed through by the ministry. I and mean, we're currently going through doing um, Windows Defender upgrades around schools. That's in the school space. Yeah. Um, you know, it's probably in the a lot of the commercial stuff we do. We focus on the device probably more. Um, user training comes into that effect. Not everyone wants to do user training. Um, they all talk about it. They want to do it. One thing I do notice is users are becoming more aware about some things, like the email address. You know, little old ladies working in an office admin, they are now starting to question, oh, this looks a bit strange. Amazon.au, what's that? Yeah, (laughs) so so users are becoming more intelligent, but like everything else, it's one person that that makes a mistake, and it could be an honest mistake, that causes, you know, that situation. There's several aspects of the network side. There's a device side. What Andrew says is great. That's peach. But what do you do when they go to a cafe? That's Correct. that's yep. the risk that you play. So, mm-hmm. so you've still got to look it's after. The got to look after. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. There's, the there's no silver bullet. Yeah. There never yeah. has been. Yeah. So when we look at the device, we want to make sure there's compliance on it. It's managed. You know, we're updating it regularly. You know, it's got endpoint on there. The drive's encrypted. Multi-factor authentication's in play at all times. You know, we're looking past. Password list authentication is the next phase. That That's a great example down. of the layers, though. So, yes. you know, what if the network could then look at that device and say, Absolutely. actually, I'm not happy yep. with its posture, or it hasn't had the virus definitions updated in the mandatory 10-day period that our organisation requires, I'm not going to let it onto and, the and network. And yeah. Probably the, the even bigger thing is that, you know, we t- something as simple as onboarding and offboarding, mm. you know. Um, and, you know, I heard someone talking a while ago where... Um, you know, they said, oh, well, we've got like 12 or 14 different services out there or, you know, 20 different cloud services. How do you integrate it all? You know, how do you manage it from an onboarding and offboarding perspective? And integrating the network and, and everything else into there is, a, is something that's really key now to try and get simplicity of management but also visibility of what's going on. And that's probably the integration between all the different products. And networking is a key thing that has to go in there as well as much as the device moving around. Uh, so there's a – I mean – there's lots of different aspects from cybersecurity you need to do. It's it's and it's a slow process to try and do it all and then manage it all effectively. And um, you know, a lot of uh, like Aruba has you know um, uh, Aruba Central there's a key thing for us now going forward because mm. uh, it's that single pane of glass for the networks, which is fantastic for us. So it's yeah, there's no silver bullet, multi-layer. 
you know, all the way. And you've, and you've got to continuously work on it, don't well, you? Well, that's the thing. you can't just the, sort of no, you've got to say, keep we'll come back in two or three years and have another look. No, at no, no. So, and, and, you know, and I suppose we've been guilty at times. We've set something up and it's running. It's, oh, it's running sweet. Great. And we'll just go off and do the next thing. But we need to come back and keep looking at it constantly and constantly. And also, more importantly, being able to manage those incidents where, you know, someone fixes it, gets it going again. But we need to stop and go, well, how do we actually make sure it doesn't happen again? Mm-hmm. Um you know, there's there's lots more tools out there for, for looking at that now and a lot more things. Um, and with everything that comes along, everything new comes along, we have to have a much more detailed look at what that product does and how do we implement it into that wider picture. Yeah. Um, but the remediation and, and, you know, constant improvement is, is it's pretty hard. It's a minefield, but uh, I have to say we're getting better and better at it all the time. And I, I think it's like you said before, this is really hard. So... Having a having a partner that can sort of say, look, Paul, here's the ten rocks you should look under, and here's those five layers that we need to, you know, sit down and let's help you kind of get your head around how yeah. this might look for your organisation. Yeah. That that's yeah. that's the absolutely the value that the cyclones of the world mm. can provide. And yeah. one of the things is, you know, we're always on, we're always connected. I mean, if you asked me six years ago, you know. IP addresses on a network, every person would have three devices. So I'd say, we need to average three devices. Now I'm looking going, well, the average person probably needs about five IP addresses, but then all the other things that are connected, the lights and whatever else, because I've got a watch, I've got a phone, I've got an iPad, I've got a laptop. Spare uh, laptop. Yeah, you know, you're true, 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 true. <laughs> old, old laptop. Yeah, um, right, yeah. So there's more demand on a network and there's more mm. visibility needs to happen. And that's, you know, and the Aruba stuff is great for that. Um, you know, the automated provisioning and everything else is, you know, is key. You, um, you can't secure what you can't see. So that no. visibility is a, yeah. is a really good But, you know, yeah. if I go back 10 years, I mean, you know, you go to a small company and you might have 20 devices on your network because you've got 20 staff. Mm-hmm. But that's that's exponential now, mm-hmm. you know. It, and it's – so you've got to get visibility and be able to manage that more efficiently and, and better. And um, it's key to have some of those, you know, management tools in place. It's getting bigger and better. That's what it is. Hmm. Yep, that's uh, good. Good, good advice. <laughs> Thank you, Mark. I Thank try. you, Andrew. I try. You're it's, quite welcome. It's been really good. And uh, look, thanks everybody for listening in to the New Zealand Tech Podcast uh, this week. And I certainly hope that uh, you know when you step away from this episode, you will be going away and having a look and thinking around what can you know myself or my organisation specifically do just to notch it up at least a little bit from a cybersecurity perspective, because that's what what we all need to do. There's no organisation and probably no family that can go, we're perfect, we've got this thing covered, and we can now walk away and forget about it. Um, We we all need to be looking at it on an ongoing basis. Um, So, yeah, thanks, guys, Uh, and thanks, everyone, for listening in. Uh, Thank you to our show partners, Aruba, Cyclone, Vodafone, Spark, HP, Two Degrees, and Gorilla Technology. Uh, We'll look forward to catching everyone again next week. All right. Thank you. Thanks very much. Thank you. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.